Welcome to the Will and Aaron Show with William Kramer, my co-host Aaron Bontrager. We cover local sports, including the NIC and NLC conferences, plus teams in St. Joseph and Elkhart counties. We also cover college and pro sports. Today, we will recap high school football sectional semifinal play and preview high school football sectional final matchups, IHSAA fall sport tournaments, and discuss college football, NFL, MLB, and the NBA. So here, let's start off with topic number one, high school football sectional recaps. And in class 2A, sectional 33, as most people expected, Bremen won 53-7 against Lake Station. Lance Moser ran for 168 yards and four touchdowns. Bremen jumped out to a quick 48-0 halftime lead as the Lions cruise into the sectional championship game. Andran 28, LaVille 6. It was a scoreless first half, and Duran settled down and overwhelmed the Lancers in the second half, mainly the fourth quarter, with three rushing touchdowns by Drake Bowen, who's committed to play for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish next year. And LaVille hurt himself with an interception and a fumble on consecutive drives in the second half. Really, that was kind of the the changing of the momentum right there. Andrean capitalized on LaVille's mistakes to turn a close game into a lopsided affair. It's unfortunate that LaVille did not play their best football when they needed to, but give LaVille credit for playing Andrean tough for three quarters. Uh, LaVille is close, but as Coach said uh, in the South and Tribune, they still have work to do to be able to win games like these against a state-caliber team like Andrean. Yeah, excellent season for Lavelle and their program. What a tough way to lose for sure with those turnovers. It's a really great program and Andrean. Class 3A, sessional 26. Jimtown went on the road to play John Glenn. Connor Watts recovered a John Glenn fumble. Bishop Williams plunged in from one yard out to put the Jimmies up 7-0 in the first quarter. Sam Garner added a four-yard touchdown run, put Jimtown up 14-0 to zero in the first quarter. Now, in the second quarter, John Glenn came roaring back when Chase Miller scored on a four-yard touchdown, and it was at halftime a 14-7 ball game. So at this point, it was anybody's game. Now, Aaron, the turning point of the game was in the third quarter when Jimtown faced a fourth down and six. On their own 43-yard line, the Jimmies lined up to go for it, but then motioned their players to punt the ball. Now, however, uh, they have been working on this play the entire season and haven't ran it until this game, and it was a Bishop Williams. Uh, he was only, he was either going to punt it or pass it based on his, his reads he had to make. And he threw a 10-yard completion to Jackson Clopton for a first down. And that was a huge play as it looked like John Glenn was going to get ball back potentially to go on a, uh, a game-tying uh, drive in the third quarter. But, however, on that same drive, Jimtown that converted that fourth down, uh, Connor Watt scored on a five-yard touchdown run. To put the Jimmies up 21 to 7. Again, that swung the momentum from John Glenn to Jimtown. The Falcons were not able to do much after that point. Bishop Williams did add a 10 yard touch and run in the fourth quarter to seal the deal. So Jimtown wins the sectional semifinal 28 to 7. Yeah, sounds like Connor Watts had a great game, both sides of the ball. Uh, definitely one of those players to watch out for. Jimmy's are at nine straight wins. Yes, all right. Connor Watts, huge game for him, and the Jimmy's are rolling. Let's go to 4A sectional 17, where New Prairie and Lowell Red Devils clash on the gridiron. Uh, of course, this was, uh, I would believe, a 24-7 ball game in the regular season when New Prairie won. And it felt like Lowell was 
playing good football uh, as they upset in Duran to uh, have a three-way tie in the conference. However, this was not a close game at all. Quarterback Marshall Kamisic completed six of seven passes for 189 yards, throwing five touchdowns. I did not miss say that. He threw six completions and five of them for touchdowns. What a stat that is for a quarterback, Aaron. Yeah. Now, Noah Mangia, uh, he had a 92-yard kickoff return for the Panthers. I'm sorry, for the Cougars, uh, for the other score. Now, sophomore Hayden Scott led the Cougars defensively with, with 10 tackles. Yeah, when I was I was reading this, I thought I thought New Prairie was a run heavy team. Will five passing touchdowns? Wow! 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 Uh, you know, whoever New Prairie plays in the sectional championship game, they're not going to have to be thinking about that pass a little more. So yeah. I'm not sure that was a coach decision to do that uh, as a strategy. But whoa, uh, what a what a passing game for New Prairie, and they'll remember this for a long, long time. Now in Class Six A Sectional Two, we had Carroll Chargers of Fort Wayne uh, playing the Penn Kingsmen, and Carroll's Braden Steely opened up the scoring in the first quarter with a one-yard touchdown run. The Chargers took an early 7-0 lead. Penn did respond in the second quarter when Penn's Ryan Trevor intercepted the pass and returned it all the way to the Chargers' one-yard line, where quarterback Nolan McAuliffe plunged into the end zone to tie the ball game at seven piece. Now it was a good game all the way to the last couple of minutes of that first half, and things began to unravel for the Penn Kingsmen. Jimmy Sullivan woke up, and the Carroll offense exploded on the next two drives, scoring two quick touchdowns before halftime to take the lead for good at 21-7. Steely added a touchdown run in the third quarter, and Sullivan threw a touchdown pass in the fourth quarter for the final score of 35-7. to Carroll. Now, Penn just couldn't muster much offense uh, as Carroll's defense was tough all night long. Penn did have two costly fumbles. Uh, and, you know, we knew going in that Carroll was Fort Wayne's best team. Uh, Carroll, is, Carroll is a solid team, and they showed why they are number five in Class 6A. Yeah, I think after I read the recap of the thing that stood out to me is Penn only had six first downs. Man, Carroll must be the real deal for sure. Yes, they are. They are the real deal for sure. All right, now we're going to move into – for a sectional 18, we had Northwood defeating St. Joe 52 to 24. And Northwood was down seven key players, as uh, many people have probably know, know by now. But they were still able to handle St. Joe and advance to the sectional final. They had more players going both ways due to a number of players making some poor decisions off the field. Give credit to Coach Andrews in the athletic department, they seemed to handle the situation well. And Coach had his guys that could play ready to go. And it was another opportunity for some players to step up. And uh, Mr. Showtime himself, Nitro Tuggle, what a game he had. Uh, he lived up to his nickname. He, I mean, he did a little bit of everything. He took snaps from uh, the quarterback position. So, yeah, what a great game. So here's a little bit of what he did. Um, Took a two direct snaps. One of them he ran for a touchdown. Uh, another one he threw a 45-yard pass to J.J. Payne. Or I think that was more of a catch and run. But he also played cornerback. I watched some of this game. He had this uh, crazy tackle on a kid. So he was kind of doing a little bit of everything for the Panthers, and they needed that for sure. Uh, Wes Yoder out of the backfield had another great game. He's kind of like the anchor of this offense. Um, had 132 yards rushing on 10 carries. And he scored his touchdowns in the second half on a four-yard run and a 34-yard catch and run. St. Joe was led by Alex Ortiz, who had 169 total yards and two rushing touchdowns. And Antonio Morrell would score the, the only other Indian touchdown late in the fourth. Uh, the Panthers' black crunch defense was led by Kanye King. 
they were able to pressure Ortiz all night and held the Indians to only 84 yards passing. Uh, some other standouts were Max P. I believe he's a sophomore. He had eight and a half tackles. C.J. Kuhn had six tackles and an interception. And J.J. Payne also got an interception. You know, a lot of people were wondering what this Northwood team would do with the off-the-field distractions. Well, partner, I think Northwood answered that question rather quickly, that 31-0 halftime lead. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Northridge, this, the other game in this half or this sectional, Northridge won 34-24 to over Logan Sport. The Raiders had a clean game, no turnovers. But Logan Sport did start off fast by running the ball, and they scored on a Jeremiah Miller touchdown run on their first possession. The Raiders responded with a nice kick return from Tyrese Thomas, and with a 27-yard field goal from Dylan Ritchie. The second quarter was really where fans, people saw Northridge take the momentum back. Quarterback Cade Carrington scored on a run from the five-yard line. Then the Raiders' defense got an interception from Harrison Kaufman that would lead to a huge 33-yard touchdown run from sophomore tailback Derek Sherwood. Logansport would score on a touchdown pass from Mock to Russell to make it a 17-14 game. However, the Raiders would find the end zone when Carrington found Jethro Hosteller. Pretty much finds almost every game. And that was on an 18-yard pass play. And this kind of kind of like redeeming himself. He did drop a touchdown pass the play before, so I didn't get to see that, but that's kind of a cool thing there. The second half was led by the Raider defense as they stopped the option attack. The Raiders held the barriers to only 10 points in the second half, and Derek Sherwood capped off another clutch drive on a 23-yard run to take a 10-point lead with 3.46 left in play. Sherwood finished the game with 20 rushes, 125 yards, and two touchdowns. So the Raiders really won the battle in the trenches as well, and they advanced to the sectional final to take on Northwood for the second year in a row. Aaron, I can't wait for your prediction for this game. I am I'm going back and forth as we record. Uh, 5A section 11, uh, Concord, uh, beat uh, B- Goshen 31 to six. The Minutemen advanced on a solid performance from quarterback Hudson Glantz, who threw three touchdown passes. Two of those went to Juan Ross. Titus Hackwork got on the scoring scoring affair as well. He scored on a 56 yard run as well in the second half to up their lead to 24 zero. Goshen scored their only points on a pick six by Leishtatweiler late in the third. Uh, the Minutemen would score a final touchdown in the fourth quarter on a glance to Kultukin, six-yard scoring play. Concord's defense again showed their strength, held Goshen to a total of 101 yards of offense. The Minutemen get a chance to play the Cayman at home for the second time this season. And this time, the, w- the winner advances, of course. And that brings us to the Mishawaka-Adams game. Mishawaka won 35-6. The K-Man advanced behind the legs and arm of quarterback Brady Fisher, who rushed for two touchdowns and passed for one to Ethan Bryce. Chase Hardy and Chase Gooden also had touchdown runs as well. The K-Man were up 12-0 a half, and Coach Kinder really challenged his O-line to play better. And that they did in the second half as they would dominate. And they earned a chance to win a sectional sectional next week against Concord. And I believe at Concord as well. Last but not least, the 6A sectional 2 game, which saw Warsaw knock off Elkhart 14-9. What a game this was. Warsaw won this battle late in the game with their defense. Sophomore Ethan Golf deflected a pass on 4th and ten. And the Warsaw Times Union had a kind of a unique story about Ethan. He was kind of like a star running back on their junior varsity team. Now he's playing cornerback because Warsaw is down some key players to injury and to some off-the-field stuff as well. So, yeah, what a story, what an opportunity that kid has. The first quarter went scoreless, but Elkhart would get on the board first as Warsaw muffed a snap. 
which will lead to an out-card touchdown from Gavin Hauser from two yards out. Uh, Warsaw would respond with a five-yard touchdown score of their own from Jermaine Flores Ortega, and he would finish with 18 carries and 117 yards as well. Another strong game from him. Mason Smythe would add the extra point to make it 7-6 Tigers at half. The third quarter went scoreless, but the Lions and Tigers battled each other up front. Elkhart would gain some momentum behind the running back tandem of Hauser and Elias Leonard, who both combined for 149 yards rushing. Edvin Wasta hit a 23-yard field goal as Elkhart had to settle for three early in the fourth. That was kind of a huge drive in the game, and that Warsaw was able to stop them scoring uh, six points, of course. The Tigers would regain the lead on a drive that saw Theo Catris take quarterback Drew Sullivan pitch for 39 yards to the Lions' eight-yard line. From there, Sullivan would score on a two-yard run with 4.56 left in the game. And the Tigers advanced. They outlasted Elkhart, and they get a chance to put a loss on the unbeaten Fort Wayne Carroll Chargers. All right, so I'm going to start by previewing some of the sectional games. Kind of a another good week for us in picking high school games. I'm now at 36 and 4 overall. Will is at 33 and 6. I think we both went 5 and 0, right? Yes, we did. That was a good week. That might be the only week we went undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. So first up, 5A, Section 11 Championship. We have number four, Mishawaka, who's now 9-1 and one at Concord, 5-5. Five and five. Both coaches, kind of a similar theme after their wins. They weren't, like, they were happy, but they weren't happy with some of the mental mistakes both teams showed against their opponents. Mishawaka had some unsportsmanlike penalties, and Concord had two failed drives deep in their opponent's territory. I think both coaches are really good and will have their guys ready for this one. And I'm sure the players are going to need a lot of motivation as this as this uh, slugfest. They already know each other pretty well from week eight. And this time a championship is on the line. Uh, Concord's playing really well on both sides of the ball right now. They're getting a nice balance of run and pass, which they'll need if they want to beat this fundamentally sound K-Man defense. Mishawaka is getting it done with their triple option and maybe one of the best run blocking units in our area. They can also hurt you with a big pass play once they lull you into a steady diet of their option attack. So questions I have, can Concord finish off drives against Mishawaka's lights-out defense? Can Mishawaka stop the balance attack of the Minutemen? These are my questions, or kind of like the keys to the game. Uh, I like Mishawak to be able to answer those questions. I think in the regular season, they held the Minutemen to only 97 yards rushing and 90 passing yards. I think Mishawaka's linemen on both sides are the difference in this one. I have Mishawaka winning the sectional championship in another great ball game against Concord. You know, Concord, Aaron, might be the best 5-5 five and five team in the state of Indiana. Yeah. It's at Concord. It's hard to beat the same team twice. But I got to agree with you, Aaron. I think it should be another great game. Yeah, for sure. And then the 4A Sectional 18 Championship, Northridge 7-4, travels to number three, Northwood, who I believe, I'm not sure, they might move up, but they're number three at the time of recording. Another potentially good game on paper. Most people know the recent history and the build-up to this rematch from last year. Northwood has been Northridge in the regular season play the past two years. And last year, they lost to the Raiders in the sectional championship. Northridge would go on to their fairy tale state, state run and finish as the runner-up. This year, the Panthers are hoping to get the win and make a state run of their own. If the Panthers win this... This will be their first sectional championship since 2016 where they would go on to state and where they finished runner-up to Ron Colley. So the suspended player situation for the Panthers makes this seems a little bit more challenging than what I initially thought it would be for them. I don't know the status of the seven players so for this game or beyond. I honestly... Thought the Panthers would make a deep run. They look like the most complete team in our area. 
For Northridge to repeat as sectional champs, they'll need another clean game, of course. No turnovers. That really costs them in the week four meeting. Carrington will have to be accurate and take care of the ball. If the big play isn't there, don't force it. I think that's going to be a huge thing in this one. Not saying they would have won, but you can't beat yourself against a team like this. Northwood will have to be really ready for a balanced attack. The Panthers' defense will be tested, and some guys will likely be shuffled around on defense like they did against St. Joe. Those players did respond and stepped up. I think, obviously, if you're Chad Epley, you have to contain Tuggle as much as possible. But if you double him or key on him, it does leave other explosive players like Wes Yoder out of the backfield and J.J. Payne on the outside as well, all capable of scoring. I feel... I feel like I'm going to go with my if my first uh, my first one of my first buy or sells. I said I'm buying Northridge is repeating. I'm going to stick with my Raiders on this. I'm going to take them to win this game in a kind of a big maybe a big upset here. Wow, Aaron, going with your hometown Northridge <laughs> Raider. This is a big pick, man. You know, and uh, like you said, turnovers will be big. The longer the underdog stays with the favorite, the more the pressure builds on the favorite. Usually how it works. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if it's a close ball game and during the fourth quarter, how will Northwood respond? Are they going to tense up or are they going to play confident, loose, and relaxed? So it can be interesting to see. Northridge has a lot of work to do to stay with Northwood. But if they can play clean ball and put the pressure on Northwood, they've got the experience. So this should be a great game in Napanee. Yeah, for sure. All right, and then sectional two of the 6A class, number 13, Warsaw, who's 8-2, and two, will visit number 5, Carroll, who's 10-0. and 0. I believe Warsaw is up for a tall task in this one. Carroll is just too talented and deep. Uh Carroll averages 40 points a game and only gives up about 7 points a game. They are ranked 5th in the Sagarin ratings. If the Tigers pull the upset, they will need a course to win the battle up front and take care of the ball. I think Warsaw's really good season comes to an end in this one. Too much firepower from the Chargers. I mean, the Carroll defense only held Penn to 7 points. Warsaw will make Carroll play discipline with their triple option but I don't think it's enough. Carroll will move on to the regional. You know, we saw last week that Jimmy Sullivan is the real deal, and that Charger defense is stout, is tough. That win against Penn gave Carroll credibility throughout the state. Everyone knows Penn football, and to beat a program like that, the way they did, Carroll could make a deep run air. So let's look at sectional 33 in class 2A and preview 7-3, third rate Andran at 7-4 Bremen. Andran will be too much for Bremen. They've got the skill, they have the power, the speed, the athleticism. And, you know, yes, Bremen has won seven games this year, but uh, it's not the same schedule quality as Andran. Um, and Andran has a better defense. They have a better offense. Uh, Andran will shut down Lance Moser and force Bremen to throw the ball uh, and make them one-dimensional, uh, predictable. I like Andran to win sectional 33. Class 3A, sectional 26, Knotts 8-3 at Jimtown 9-2. These two former NSC conference foes battle for a sectional championship Jimtown last won a sectional in 2014 and Knotts in 2019. Now, Jimtown is in their fourth straight sectional championship. A lot of people may not realize that. They actually have been in the sectional championship for four straight years. Coach Stoner is 0-2 in those sectional championships and is 25-9 overall at Jimtown. Coach Radke is 14-14 in sectional championships. He has won five regional, two semi-states, and one state title at Griffith. Jimtown nor Knotts are ranked in the AP poll. Knotts is ranked 13th in Class 3A according to the Sagarin ratings, and Jimtown is 20th. Now, Knotts' strength of schedule is ranked 172nd 
by the Jimtown strength of schedule is ranked 205. The last time these two teams played was in 2018 sectional first round, where Knotts won 21-14. Now, historically, Jimtown has had the upper hand winning this, or leading the series against Knotts 31 games to 5. So a lot has been very lopsided in one direction. Both teams run the ball pretty well. The Redskins run more of that option offense. Knotts averages 41 points on offense, but they do give up an average of 20 points on defense. That'll be something to look out for. Jimtown averages 33 points on offense, so not as much as Knotts, but they only surrender 10 points per game on defense. So it's Jimtown and Knotts. Uh, they have one common opponent, which is John Glenn, and both teams beat the Falcons by three touchdowns, so similar fashion. Now, I give Knotts the edge on offense, and I will give Jimtown the edge on defense. The biggest matchup to me to watch in this game will be Knotts' defense versus Jimtown's offense. Whoever wins this matchup probably will win the game. Now, the game is at Jimtown. Jimtown has been playing well late, pretty clean football. I'm going to go with the Jimmies. You you went your you went with your Raiders. I'm gonna go with my alma mater, <laughs> the Jimmies, to win their first sectional championships of 2014 in a narrow win against the Knotts Redskins. Now this game probably will go down to the wire, and it should be a great game to watch. Yeah, it'll be a fun one for sure. Sectional 17 in Class 4A. You have 10 and one seventh rate New Prairie at. Eight and three Hobart. Now New Prairie is twenty-one and four in the last two years. Last year they made it to the semi-state. This year the Cougars are hoping to make it back to the semi-state. But first they have to be a solid Hobart Brickies team that is only two years removed from playing in the state championship game themselves. Now Hobart's strength and schedule is ranked higher than New Prairie's. The Brickies are led by their sophomore quarterback, Noah Ehrlich. He has passed for 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns to just six interceptions. He's completing 60% of his passes for an average of 12 yards per pass. Hope Bart's feature running back is senior Trey Gibson. He's rushed for 1,407 yards and 20 touchdowns. He averages seven yards per carry. Now, Noah spreads the ball around to four receivers who all average right around 25 to 30 yards per game. New Prairie averages 84 yards passing to 256 yards rushing. Uh, two players all year have carried the Cougars, and that's Noah Mangia, the running back, and Marshall Kamesic, the quarterback. So this is going to be a style of, uh, different style of play here. New Prairie running the ball, whereas Hobart more balance on offense. Now, interesting enough, Aaron, Hobart beat New Prairie in 2019 Regional and in the 2016 Sectional Championship. Hobart and New Prairie have a common opponent in Lowell, and New Prairie beat Lowell 42-6 last week, while Hobart beat Lowell 21-14 in the regular season. New Prairie has been on a roll, and I believe they continue their momentum and they go on the road to beat a good Hobart squad and I expect a competitive first half, but I think New Prairie's offensive line will wear down all Hobart's defensive line, and I have New Prairie's defense getting enough stops late in the game to pull away and secure a big sectional championship win. Okay, we're going to go ahead and take a short break, and when we return, we will talk about topic number three, IHSAA Fall Sports Tournament results. You can listen to the Will and Aaron Show podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube and like our videos. Follow us on Twitter at Will Aaron Show. You can follow the Will and Aaron Show Facebook page where you can interact by commenting, liking, sharing, and reviewing our podcast. Welcome back to the Will and Aaron Show where we're talking about local college and pro sports. We're going to talk about topic number three, IHSAA Fall Sports uh, Tournament results. And let's start off, Aaron, with girls cross country. 
And they just had their state finals this past weekend, and Penn, as a team, finished sixth overall in the state finals. Warsaw's Josefina Rostrelli finished seventh with a time of 18 minutes. Penn's Mary Eubank finished 18th with a time of 18.37. So we want to say congratulations uh, on, the, on behalf of the Will and Air Show to Penn's uh, girls' cross-country team and Warsaw's Josefina and Penn's uh, Mary for their outstanding accomplishments on the state level. And the boys' cross-country state finals, Northridge finished 8th, Penn 14th, Goshen 15th. And Warsaw finished 18th. Michigan, or Michigan, Mishawaka's William B finished 9th with a time of 1536. So, on behalf of the Warner Show, I want to say congratulations to the boys' cross country teams and their great job at state. Well, Aaron, let's move on to the boys' soccer class 2A state finals where Mishawaka Mary was trying to win their third state finals championship. However, unfortunately, they lost 2-1 to one to Burbuff, uh, and it was a scoreless first half. Fourth-ranked Mary scored in the 49th minute on a header by senior Jackson Hunt. Freshman Victor Aguilar picked up the assist. Burbuff tied the contest in the 61st minute, um, and obviously they scored the go-ahead uh, later on. Marriott Knights, they finished the season 18-2-2, and and we just want to say what an incredible run for the Mishawaka Marion uh, boys soccer team, and congratulations on all the accomplishments that, you, that you've had in the season. All right, and then in volleyball, the Plymouth Semi-State Northwoods season comes to an end as they lost to Belmont three games to zero. Uh, the first match, 25-20, then 25-22, and 25-10. Northwood finishes the season 28-7. Congratulations to the Lady Panthers on a great season. El- Elkhart's Hannah uh, Teach and Clay's coach Warren Bynum earned top honors in volleyball from the Northern Indiana Conference for the 2022-2023 season. Uh, Senior uh, Teach uh, was named NIC MVP after helping the Lions win the NIC title at 11-0. Bynum was named the NIC Coach of the Year after guiding the Colonial to a 5-6 finish in the league play. So congratulations to Hannah and also the coach Bynum. And some tennis news: the St. Joseph number one doubles team of Jake Westerberry and Luke Blumentritt was named second team All State. They went twenty three and four on the season. Congratulations, guys, for a great season! All right, let's move on to topic number four: college football. And we had a lot of great action in the college football world. Let's start off with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They're Win against the Syracuse Oarsmen, 41-24. to Drew Pine was 9-19 of for 116 yards, one touchdown. He did have one interception. Audrey Estime had 20 carries for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Logan Diggs had 20 carries for 85 yards and one touchdown. You know, Aaron, it seems to me like it's becoming a two-headed monster in the running back group with a little sprinkling of Chris Tyree. Uh, but the Irish are finding some momentum with their running game uh, and kind of bullying the other team with their offensive line play. Michael Mayer became the Notre Dame's all-time leading in receiving yards for a tight end. Jaden Thomas had a touchdown reception, and Notre Dame started the game with a pick six when Brandon Joseph, the transfer from Northwestern, returned an interception 29 yards on the first play of the game. Syracuse's starting quarterback got hurt in the first half and did not return. The Irish defense limited Syracuse to a running back to 60 yards rushing, and Notre Dame defeated another ranked opponent on the road. Indiana had a bye and will host 16th-ranked Penn State. And Purdue had a bye as well, and they'll host the Iowa Hawkeyes. Let's look at some notable scores throughout the college football world. 22nd-ranked Kansas State. 
48, 9th ranked Oklahoma State, zero. Wow, Aaron, what a stunner this was. I yeah. kept thinking about the score as watching, like, it's just really happening. <laughs> Will Howard threw four touchdowns. The Wildcats shot out the Cowboys for the first time since 1992. Yeah, my one of my picks that went south this week. And then Louisville pulled an upset, beating number 10 Wake Forest, 48-21. to 21. Malik Cunningham was efficient throwing the ball, completing 70% of his passes. And he also ran for two touchdowns. And I'll dueled Sam Hartman, who threw three picks for the Demon Deacons. And Wake Forest also had four fumbles. So, yikes, seven turnovers. Hard to win games doing that. Yeah. So, Cincinnati lost to UCF 25-21, giving... The Bearcats, their second loss of the season, and because of that, they dropped out of the top 25. R.J. Harvey rushed for two touchdowns, and the UCF Knights defense came up big to upset the Bearcats. So let's look at the Aaron and Will college football pick records. Uh, after this weekend, Aaron is now 13-8. and eight. I am 14-10, and 10, so we're getting kind of closer here. Yeah. Let's look at some of the headline games for this next weekend. So at noon on FS1, 4-4, four and four, Iowa travels to 5-3 uh, num- Purdue. Purdue is a 5.5-point favorite. And I'm going to pick Purdue to win this game. I think their offense is a little bit more explosive than Iowa. But this will be a good test for Purdue because Iowa's defense is really good like every year or somewhat good every year. And I think being at home, coming off that poor performance will help them get a good win. Much needed win for Purdue's uh, Big Ten title hopes. And also uh, they would would be bowl eligible with a win Mm -hmm. at Iowa. Or I'm sorry, with a win at home versus Iowa. Uh, at three thirty, ABC sits and two, sixteenth uh, ranked Penn State at three and five Indiana. Um, I've got the Penn State Nittany Lions winning this game. Uh, Penn State played re- really well against Ohio State for most of the game. You know, Indiana just isn't consistent enough to win these big games, and I think Penn State will cover the spread, maybe even more than that. And then at 3.30 on CBS, maybe one of the, could be the biggest game of the year. Uh, number two, Tennessee, who's 8-0 at 8-0, number one, Georgia. Georgia's an 8.5 point favorite. And I'm going to pick Georgia to win. The team stats look pretty comparable. Georgia has the edge with their defensive stats. They are at home. ESPN's given them just under 75% chance to win. I mean, I really like Tennessee's strength of schedule the past five games. You know, they beat Alabama. They've played better teams in the SEC. But I'm just going to go with Georgia just because I think they just have that experience in defense that gives them a slight edge in this one. Man, I can't wait for this game. Like you said, the game of the year so far. Uh, so we play uh, at 12.30 on Saturday. So I should be home close to the beginning of the second quarter for this game. I'm going to watch nice. every single minute of this game. I can't wait for it. At 7 o'clock on ESPN, 7-1, 6th-ranked Alabama at 6-2, 15th-ranked LSU. The, the uh, Alabama is a 13-point favorite. You know, Aaron, for as much as Brian Kelly and the Tigers have done this season, I just don't see them upsetting the Crimson Tide. Alabama is in a must-win mode for the college football playoff, and I believe that they will be locked in and execute at a high level. Alabama's defense will limit Daniels' running ability and make LSU a one-dimensional passing team. And the Tigers will struggle stopping the high-powered Alabama offense. And Alabama will cover the spread. And then 7 o'clock, FS1, you have 5-3 and three, Texas at 6-2. and two. Number 13th ranked Kansas State. Kansas State just dominated Oklahoma State. I think this will be another 
huge win for the Wildcats. ESPN likes the Longhorns to win on the road as they were 61% to win on their matchup predictor. But I'm going to go against the grain in this one. I think Kansas State is rolling right now. And at 7.30 on NBC. Oh, Aaron, this is a big <laughs> one for Notre Dame. 8-0, fifth-ranked Clemson Tigers come to South Bend to face our Irish, who are 5-3. and three. Now, Clemson is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Notre Dame is improving, and if this game was on the road, then I would feel better because they seem to play much better on the road this season. <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain it, but they do. Uh, but um, Clemson is quietly an 8-0 undefeated team. Uh, not a lot of people talking about Clemson as like an elite team, but they are yeah. 8-0. Granted, the ACC, okay, it is what it is. may not be the best conference uh, but the fact that they're still undefeated says something. Uh, Notre Dame might be able to run the ball a little bit. I think their offensive line can can do some things can, and can and can push Clemson around maybe a little bit. Nothing like they've been able to do against these weaker teams they play. Uh, but they're going to have to establish a running game if they want to have any kind of success against Clemson. Uh, Drew Pine will have to be efficient enough and make enough passes to keep Clemson's defense honest. Um, I think the big question mark for me in this game is, can Notre Dame pass the ball? Can their secondary Notre Dame defense play well against Clemson's receivers? And I don't think Notre Dame as a team is ready to pull off this kind of upset. So I've got Clemson winning, maybe perhaps a close game, but I think at the end... Clemson wins, maybe by a touchdown or 10 points. Okay, we're going to take our uh, another break, and when we return, we will talk about topic number five, NFL headlines. If you are enjoying our podcast and want to donate, please find the donation link in our show notes. Any donation, no matter how small, will make a big difference in helping us bring you better quality podcast shows. Welcome back to the Will and Air Show, where we're talking about local college and pro sports. Let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Aaron, the Sam Ellinger era is officially underway as a former Texas Longhorn quarterback replaces injured quarterback Matt Ryan, and uh, will, and Sam will retain the starting role for the remainder of the season. Wow, what did you think about that move? Yeah, I did not see that coming. But I didn't see that coming either. I thought it was kind of a now. You know, I I understood replacing him because of the injury. But I thought when Matt Ryan would come back and was fully recovered, I thought he just regained yeah, his yeah. starting role. But uh, obviously, we don't get paid to run the Colts organization, so <laughs> they they know they know what they're doing. Um. So, but Sam was seventeen and twenty three for two hundred one yards. Throwing zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, so kind of kind of efficient. Not really, not really doing too much uh, to to hurt themselves, but also not doing too much to help themselves. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor had seventy six yards rushing. Now it was a Naheem Hines touchdown that was the only touchdown of the game for the Colts. Uh, two costly fumbles hurt the Colts' momentum throughout the game. But the defense kept Indianapolis close. In fact, it was because of the Colts' defense and the field goal, uh, uh, multiple field goals, that helped the Colts have a 16-10 lead with 2.39 to go in fourth quarter. But the defense couldn't get one more stop as Taylor Hanicki's one-yard touchdown plunge put Washington on top for good. Let's turn to the Chicago Bears. And they faced off against the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, and the Cowboys rolled past the Bears 49-29. Cowboys running back Tony Pollard scored three rushing touchdowns. The Bears started off uh, in a hole 28-7. Justin Fields rallied them to within five points at 28-23. But Micah Parsons is having an outstanding year for the Cowboys, recovered a fumble. And it was kind of a crazy thing I read about. No Bears players touched him, so he got up and took off and ran for a 36-yard touchdown. Justin Fields, in fact, had his best quarterback rating of his career at 120. 
but he was one of the players that failed to tap Parsons or touch him when he was down. The Bears fall to three and five, and the Cowboys improve to six and two. How about those all orange outfits the Bears wore against the Cowboys? If if anything, I was just happy to see those orange helmets and the orange outfits. That looked pretty cool. I like those. Yeah, they're they're interesting for sure. I think I like them too. So let's look at some other NFL headlines. Uh, the Ravens beat the Bucks twenty seven twenty two. How about this, Aaron? Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are now three and five. Who would have thought <laughs> that Tom Brady and Buccaneers would be three and five, eight games into the season? Wow. Yeah. Yikes. And Seattle knocks off the Giants 27 to 13. Former West Virginia quarterback Geno Smith threw for two touchdowns, and the Seahawks get a big win. You know, that's only the Giants' second loss of the season. How about that? Yeah. Let's look at previewing week nine for NFL, starting with Miami Dolphins and the Chicago Bears. Yeah, so they kick off at one on CBS. The Dolphins are led by Tua and Tyreek Hill and their potent offense. They're coming off of a close win in Detroit. So it'll be another challenge for the Bears in week nine. And Miami's a four and a half point favorite. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> four and a half point favorite at Chicago <laughs> Bears. Come on now. If that doesn't motivate you as a Chicago Bear, I don't know what will. Yeah. So at 1 o'clock, CBS, 3-4-1 Indianapolis Colts go on the road to face 4-4 four four New England Patriots. Matt Jones versus Sam Ellinger. This once heated rivalry has calmed down a bit over the years, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Sam needs to take care of the ball, and the offense needs to be uh, more consistent to help out their defense. This feels like a big game as both teams are still kind of in the midst for a possible playoff run. Um, but a loss for either team would be a huge blow to that. Um, yeah. If they can string some wins together, either team, you never know. Uh, maybe they could get one of those wild card bursts. At eight twenty on NBC, five and two Tennessee at five and two Kansas City. The Chiefs are a twelve and a half point favorite, mainly because of you know Patrick Mahomes. Tennessee wants to run the ball, and Kansas City wants to pass. I think Kansas City will cover the spread here. Topic number six, MLB World Series. Houston lost for the first time in these playoffs. There's only been one team that's ever won the World Series and gone undefeated in the entire playoffs, and that was 1976 Cincinnati Reds. How about that? Now, it feels like Houston will win the series, Um, and as of this recording... The series is tied one game apiece. Game three is on Tuesday. Aaron, this should be an exciting World Series to see how this all plays out. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully it goes to game seven. We'll see. That would be awesome. Like, like uh, goes down to the bottom of the 12th inning, loaded bases, grand slam, walk-off grand slam. Yeah. Not asking for too much? Probably. Probably, yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> All right, let's look at some NBA. NBA, anyone? The Bulls are now 3-4. and four. They started the week with an impressive win against the Boston Celtics, 120-112. Then on Wednesday, they beat the Pacers. Friday night, they failed to win in San Antonio, but DeMar DeRozan reached the 20,000-point club. Finally, the Bulls... Uh, Failed again to come back against the 76ers on Saturday night. They start this week of games on Tuesday against the struggling Nets. Then they host the Hornets on Wednesday night. Friday they travel to Boston. And Sunday they travel north of the border to take on the Raptors. This will be kind of a kind of a measuring stick week against some of Eastern Conference opponents. So yeah, then the Pacers are also now 3-4. and four. Actually, they're now three and five because they lost the the Nets tonight. But they started the week, last week off losing to the Seventy Sixers, and then they lost to Chicago, like I mentioned. They ended the week with two wins: one over the Wizards and one over the Nets on the road. 
In the Wizard game, center Miles Turner made his debut, scored 27 points. He's kind of been a lot of trade rumors. Uh, it was good to see him out there. In Brooklyn, rookie Benedict Matherin dropped 32 points, a career high, and a franchise record for points off the bench. The Pacers also made some history in this game. They shot, uh, or they made 23 threes in the game. And Matherin continues to impress. Um, it'll be fun to see if Coach Carlisle puts him in the starting rotation. Uh, it's kind of what a lot of Pacer fans are wondering. So, yeah, they actually lost tonight as we're recording this to Brooklyn. Topic eight, the five, seven, four in the NBA. So Devin Kennedy, who was cut by the Magic, was now just traded from their G League team, the Lakeland Magic, to the South Bay Lakers. So he is now on the South Bay training camp roster. The G League season kicks off in a few days. I think it's like November 7th. So it'll be interesting to see if Devin can, uh, you know, kind of make his way back to the league. Who knows, he could be playing with LeBron later this year. We'll have to see how that shakes out. Blake Wesley got his first minutes Friday night against the Bulls. He was called down to the Austin Toros for their training camp. And now he made it back to the league Friday night where he played 15 minutes in his debut. He scored 10 points and dished out four assists. He shot the ball pretty well, uh, better than the preseason he went 67% for field goals. However, Sunday night, he tore his MCL against the Minnesota Timberwolves, as some of you may have heard on saw in the South Bend Tribune, and he will be sidelined for six to eight weeks. We wish Blake a speedy recovery. Man, it's tough. Just as things were looking up for him, and we hope he heals up quick so he can keep playing. And Jaden Ivey continues to start for the Pistons' backcourt. He did have to sit out one game against the Hawks on Wednesday due to illness. But he's averaging 15.2 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, four, just over four assists a game, just over a steal a game. So the Pistons as a team, however, are struggling in the wins and losses column. But they did, however, beat up or get a win against the defending champs, the Golden State Warriors, on Sunday night. And then his stat line was pretty much around his averages. So, yeah, and at the time of this recording, they actually took on the Milwaukee Bucks tonight on Monday night, and they'll play them again Wednesday night. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in to the Will and Aaron Show. Tune in next week as we discuss more local college and pro sports.